I believe that God can take the pain that I've walked through and give it purpose in my life. I have to trust he's going to do the same things with my kids and the pain that they've walked through with divorce being part of their own personal stories. to welcome you to the Single Mom Cast brought to you by Rise Single Moms. I'm Pam Keneally, co-founder, and today Mel Hyatt is uh, publishing this podcast with me. Hi, Mel. Hi, Pam. And we are just so thrilled about that indeed. And you know what? I want to say to you single moms, you've seen a little bit about what this podcast is about. And our hearts to start out with are very, very tender and soft towards your story and why you came here. Divorce is never easy, and um, it has so many avenues of expression in your emotions. We understand that. You know, I want to ask a few questions, Mom. Perhaps today you are asking, will I always feel this lonely? Will my heart and soul ever stop, you know, enough to heal? Or you're asking, will my kids be okay spiritually? Or you're asking something like, am I a bad Christian if my grief tastes like tears and sounds like swearing? We get it. We get it. So today we have somebody with us that we are just thrilled beyond words to be our podcast guest. Her name is Brandy Wilson, and Brandy's an author, a coach, a speaker, and a leader in the nonprofit, Leading and Loving It. And you guys, she has just, or actually a book is out on the market that Brandy wrote. It's called Better Than Okay, Finding Hope and Healing After Your Marriage Ends. And... Um, I am th- so thrilled to be able to um, interview Brandy and her story. You will be amazed. It will give you so much hope. And so with that being said, we just need to get right to it, Mel. Let's let everybody meet Brandy. Hi, Brandy. Hey, Pam. Hey, Mel. How are you guys? Well, we're thrilled and so glad to have you with us today. So anyway, Brandy, I want to tell everybody real quick a little bit about you and how we know you. Shelly, the other co-founder, and I attended Leading and Loving at your nonprofit years ago. It's for ministry leaders, and it was wonderful. I saw you on stage then, and I thought, oh, I like her. I'd like to get to know her someday. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, and then in actually 2022, I did get to know you better. We invited you to our Thrive Summer Conference for single mothers and you are a guest speaker and our moms loved you brandy our moms loved oh, you well, and i loved your moms i know so we kind of are connected which is a very, very very special today so anyway brandy tell us a little bit about yourself or tell us some things our listeners would like to know about you today I am a single mom of three sons. They are currently 22, 19, and 17. So actually, I I should probably say men. Um, So I have two in college, one a freshman and one a a senior. Um, And then I have a junior in high school. So they're all three football players. And I like to say I'm classy until kickoff. And I... (laughs) 
ring a cowbell and I scream really loud and I'm their biggest cheerleader. So um, lots of football games attended. And then we live in Franklin, Tennessee, which is right outside of Nashville. So I've been here about 22 years and it is definitely home to me now. Wow. Okay. Well, all those people in your area are going to be like, yay, Brandy, we know her. So this is so exciting. So anyway. Classy yes. until kickoff. I love I, that, Brandy. Classy <laughs> until kickoff. That's me. Yes, She's I have a shirt and everything. Oh, She's my goodness. She's a sports mom like you, Mel. I kind yeah. of do the opposite. I'm a little crazy, like, leading up, and then once everything starts, I just am, like, quiet and focused and giving him the good vibes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I love that. Hey, I my kids it. probably wish that was more of my approach now. <laughs> well, we do baseball, so if I'm a maniac, I'm very close to him. You have a little more distance on the That's football true. field, so, yeah, I can get, <laughs> like, true. a look, very you know? I don't want to get the look. <laughs> <laughs> Brandy, I want to—Pam brought up the book, and I just wanted to ask you, you know, you've been divorced for a season, and then you write this book called Better Than Okay— is there something special about the timing of you writing this book? Um, you know, I think I have been divorced since 2017. I was separated a year before that. Um, so, yeah, that's six to seven years. And I think for me, as far as timing wise, I wanted to make sure I was writing a story about myself um, and not a story about what happened in my marriage, but the story about what God chose to do in me when I chose to begin again. And in giving myself that time, I wanted to make sure I was writing out of my scars and not my wounds. I think um, I, I feel deeply and that means I also have the opportunity to heal deeply. And I wanted to make sure I had done a lot of my healing work um, before I started pulling together my story in a way that would hopefully bring hope and healing to others. You know, I can really understand that. I love that, to ride out of your scars and not your wounds. Moms, did you hear that? You may be wounded today. And eventually, yeah. with God's help, isn't this too, Brandy? They'll just turn into scars and they'll be useful. I love that statement, Brandy. I love that statement. Thank you. I have a I have a whole chapter about um, I was having, I'm fair complected and lots of freckles. And I go about every six to 12 months and get um, a very thorough check by my dermatologist. And I had a couple of, I've had several removed, but I had a couple removed, um, some basal cell carcinomas a couple of years ago and the way she stitched them up they were a little bumpy and when I went back to her to have the sutures taken out I just said like hey these have healed differently than all the other um skin cancers you've removed and she said oh well I'm doing it this way so that they make pretty scars and I thought whoa that is such an oxymoron to mm -hmm. think about a pretty scar mm -hmm. um but it was something that I just, it just kept bouncing around in my head that like, when we think about scars, it means something has been usually removed, something that wasn't good for us or needed to be taken out of our lives. Um, and the fact that in the midst of when that wounding is happening and that removal is happening, it is so painful and nothing about it feels pretty or, you know, good um in the midst of all the hurt and pain but we can get to the point where god can 
um, make sure that nothing is our, in our life is wasted and that we can have pretty scars. I love that. Even on our face, moms, it's one thing to have a pretty scar on the bottom of your leg where the sock covers it up, but on your face, mom, you can have a beautiful scar on your face. And I can say that to be true because Mel and I have both gone through a divorce and Mel, we probably have pretty scars on our face, maybe. Haven't and thought some about not so and pretty. Not so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just leave that alone, okay? Yeah, we're evolving, yes. just like your dermatologist just, was just trying like something that. new. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Brandy, I tell you what, I, I, know, I know your story, um, but I want you to share with our listeners an, um, an overview of what your public life was like mm-hmm. before divorce. Mm-hmm. Yep. I um, married my college sweetheart in 1993, and um, we started a couple of churches. We, um, he had felt the call to ministry. I was super supportive and felt that call alongside of him. And um, we started a church right outside of Bowling Green, Kentucky, where we were for five years. And then in um, 2001, we moved to Nashville, and in 2002, planted a church that still exists today called Cross Point Church. Uh, Cross Point was is still. I'm so glad that Cross Point is still thriving. It's um, a church in Middle Tennessee that has five or six locations, and we had served there as senior leadership for 14 years. When in 2016, my husband of 20 years decided to walk away from the church and the ministry and our marriage and the family unit that we had created. Um, So my life publicly fell apart overnight. And I think we could all agree that when your life publicly falls apart, it's been privately falling apart for a long time. Um, And, you know, as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. I see a lot of things now, but truly, as it was occurring in real time, it felt like my life changed overnight. And I went from being surrounded by thousands of people um, on a very regular basis to only talking to three people and my therapist for quite a while. So um, yeah, everything just ended when he resigned. That meant I lost my role that I had filled there. It meant that my community was gone. It meant that, um, you know, we really and truly, I was 42 and I was having to start all over. Um, And, you know, now I can look back and, and see that the best part of when your life falls apart is you get to put the pieces of your life back together the way you want. Um, In the midst of it, it was really hard to see that. And I was overcome with emotion and fear and anger and hurt and heartbreak. Um, It would probably be easier to tell you what I didn't feel instead of everything that I did feel. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a really devastating situation to walk through. Yes, I can certainly identify with that. Mel, and you can as well. Yeah. Our hearts go out to you. Um, In your story, in a way, because I know who our listeners are today. And I know who our listeners are, and you might be in the middle of that, so you could certainly identify with that. You know, I love how you said what you immediately lost when your husband abandoned you, family, you know, church members, reputation, all these things. Did you mention what you lost more gradually? What did you more gradually lose as you went on down the road? Yeah, I think— 
you know, just the security of doing life with a partner, um, the loneliness factor that comes when you do every other weekend without your kids. I think the fact that, you know, having to share my children in a situation that I had not asked for or made any choices were made for me um, was really difficult. So the fact that I felt like I was losing parenting and being a mom 100% of the time, we know that's not true. But, um, you know, in the midst of it, it just felt so unfair to not be with my kids, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Yes, absolutely. We have moms today that are walking through that very, very thing. And Mel, when you went through that, what immediate thing did you feel like you lost? Immediately, it, I mean, you're in such shock and denial, sort mm-hmm. of. But was there something that comes to your mind that you that you feel like you're supposed to prepare me for the I personal question? <laughs> this is about Brandy, Pam. I know. <laughs> what did I feel? I mean, I Brandy, I we talked about this a little bit at Thrive. I had a very similar situation. My my divorce was really public too, and and our job was tied to our home, which was a parsonage, and so. Physically, I had lost all of the things. I had lost my home and my community, like you said. Um, I think, like, the biggest blaring thing for me, though, is I felt like all of the things that I thought made me me, I had lost. So it was an identity crisis for me of I'm no longer a wife. I'm no longer a team I'm no longer at this church. I had chose to step down because it was just so complicated. So all of these things that were what I thought made me me, and I remember just the Lord really putting it on my heart in that that crisis moment that those things can happen, but the only thing that nobody can ever take from me is him. And so I was just, I felt like I had lost everything, Mm -hmm. Pam, honestly. And, And I was a little... You know, in those situations, fear is so blaring. And I thought, am I going to lose my boys? Like, you don't know. You don't know what is true and what isn't true. And it's just so chaotic. And so I, but an easier question would have been like, what didn't you lose? What didn't you lose? Because I don't know. Um, My hair, I did. I kept my hair through that somehow. I know. Um, It it was horrible. (laughs) Yes. If I'm honest. Yes, (laughs) I can understand that. I can understand that. And when I went through my... I think the thing, main thing I feel like I lost immediately was my pride, um, uh, my reputation. I just it was it was just also encompassing. So mm-hmm. we certainly understand that that yeah. that story. Well, that's let's. I'm going to ask a positive question because that was kind of sad for I me. <laughs> I started want, to feel feelings, Pam. I wasn't want, expecting that. We don't want to lose our listeners. Enough. So. <laughs> So, I feel like I'm, are you a seven on the Enneagram now? I am. Uh, you read that quickly. We can talk about that after. <laughs> I'm impressed. Um, you know, I think when we go through, a, say, a divorce or even um, if you lose someone to, a, like, you know, they pass away or something, there's this vacancy. Um, and I know that that vacancy can sound and feel really loud, Brandy, but I'm wondering what were the good things? We miss that, right? When you think, oh, these bad moments, but when you can pull away and you're six, you said almost seven years out to look back, can you tell us maybe what you gained? I know that might sound weird, but what you gained and you, you made the comment, the great thing about your life falling apart is you get to put it back together. Tell us about 
how God protected you and provided for you and maybe what you gained when you put your life back together? Yeah, I think one of the the biggest things I gained that I did not realize I needed was freedom. Um, You know, I had gone from basically living with my parents who are wonderful people to um, college. And I went straight from being a college student to being a wife. Um, And I I think I didn't realize that I had spent a lot of time taking care of other people and not taking Mm -hmm. care of and getting to know myself. Um, So my divorce actually gave me this freedom um, to dig in and deal with the identity that you were talking about, Mel. That was also huge for me. Um, And and I think it started coming in little ways. I, as silly as it sounds, um, in losing my identity I'd also lost my ability to dream for myself um and I had decided I made a decision that my attorney said most women do not do this and I wish more would but I decided I didn't want to keep the house that we had lived in um for 12 years it felt like it was full of a lot of ghosts and I wanted to first start for the kids and I so I sold that house bought a much smaller house um and before I even knew where we were going to live I started a note in my phone that just said future house and I started listing all the things I wanted that house to look like and feel like and the atmosphere I wanted it to have for the boys and I um and it just became so empowering to uh, buy this house that was you know built about the same time I was born so we both have a lot of wrinkles and cracks and a lot of um, maintenance needed to be done when we moved in but man I just took this house and it became this situation where I got to choose everything um that I wanted I didn't consult anyone about paint color I didn't you know um ask anyone if they liked the lighting fixtures I was putting up I was doing it all on my budget I was doing it all by my choice and it just helped remind me one how to dream again and two how much freedom I had to make those same choices in my own life that those choices could be bigger than just a paint color for my home they could be me um you know redefining the family values that I wanted to take place for the boys and I it could be about me chasing a new career dream that I didn't think would be possible in my 40s it just a lot of freedom became mine um in a way that I really didn't even realize that I needed that's so good I Mm -hmm. I always will tell single moms that one of the beauties of this season when you're raising your kids alone in the home is that you get to control the thermostat but mm-hmm. like, yes. not just the thermostat. Like <laughs> I remember my counselor time. once telling me be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Yeah. I mean, think yeah. about that. That's a whole podcast, Pam. But okay. you get For to sure. control. If my house is chaotic, it's because I made it that way. Yep. If, if there's no yep. peace in my house or, and you get to control that. And there's a beauty in that. There's a, yeah. you have peace control. Pam, I'm going to give you a little taste of your own medicine. Oh, no. <laughs> Brandy, I should know better than to do that because she always comes back with me. What goes around comes around. Mine is easier, though. I was just wondering, what did you gain? You know, I wasn't going to ask you like a deep, dark secret. secret. (laughs) You know what? Immediately, I didn't feel like I gained anything. Mm -hmm. So moms, if you're sitting there going, I have not gained one thing. My finances, my kids, my, you know, I lost my in-laws. I lost this. I lost that. You know, honestly, I can't say for a long time I felt like. I gained anything except, except my realization, even though I had been walking with Christ, 
my realization of how much I needed him. And it, I guess, in a little bit longer run, I began to deeper, deeper, deeper press into him and give it all to him. And as a result, what did I gain some 30-something years later? The outreach of Arise Single Moms, which is now over 20 wow. years old. That's a big gain. Yeah. But initially, Mel, I didn't gain a thing, I felt like. So mm-hmm. I, that's that's a fair question. You know what, um, Brandy, I want to talk to you because you were in the ministry with a pastor's wife and public you know, public awareness and all that. I want to talk about the Christian churches today because we may have moms today that are cynical about that, and I understand totally where you're coming from. But Christian churches have historically criticized members who divorce, and, yeah. I, and I understand that. But was that your experience? Were they criticizing you? And if so, what do church leaders need to understand about destructive marriages and divorce? That's two questions, but I'm really interested in your answer to that. Yeah, I um, I don't know so much, Pam, that I was criticized. I think, um, you know, when Mel was talking about her story earlier, she alluded to just the layers and layers of of deceit that is uncovered when you walk through a situation like we walked through. So I think pretty quickly as things started to, to come to light, um, people started recognizing what was going on and they probably chose to cheer for me rather than criticize me, which is a true gift. I will tell you, I probably criticized myself more. Mm -hmm. Um, Other people did. And honestly, You know, I can securely say, because I stand solid on the foundation of God in my life, probably criticize God for what he was allowing to go on in my life when I had begged him, please, you know, restore my marriage and please bring my husband back and um, please fix what is broken. So I think I probably, you know, the criticism laid in my relationship with God, which, you know, being able to lean into him that way actually created a closeness and a secure attachment that I had not had before in my life. So that was a really beautiful thing to watch develop. Um, what I will tell you too, is that cross point, the church was really good to me. Um, and I consider that a gift that they, loved me well, that they, their staff showed up and moved the boys and I into that, you know, new house I was telling you about. Their creative team installed the same basketball goal that we had at our old house, at our new house. So my boys, you know, had something familiar. Um, So for me, my story was very positive. What I will tell you is I have spent a lot of time talking to other single women who have faced that criticism. Um, In fact, I start one of the chapters in the book. It's called Discarded, and it talks about all the ways we feel discarded um, when we get a divorce. And sometimes it's, you know, discarded from friend circles or discarded from mom circles, Um, but often it's discarded from the church. And that's whether you're a pastor's wife or you're just an attendee that you feel like there's not a place for you anymore. Um, And that's heartbreaking for me. I've talked to lots of pastor's wives who the church was not great to them. I've talked to lots of women in the church who, you know, the things that were said to them, that's actually what starts that chapter of Discarded is all the things that were said to divorced women um, from people 
in the church and in their lives that they were close to. So I think um, that criticism, it, it just really causes people to doubt who they are and what God wants for them, their lives. And it really causes them to doubt if there's a place for them in the church. And I think one of the things I continued to do, I took a lot of time off from church um, and honestly just did church at home on Sunday mornings in my bed with a cup of coffee and my journal and my Bible. And I eventually got to where I was watching online church and then the pandemic happened and everybody was watching online church. And I just wanted to say, thanks for joining me. I've been here for a couple of years and it's great. Um, but then after that, I did have a friend, you know, push me to say like, maybe you should start attending church. And, and it was not easy. Um, I, you know, one of the benefits of living in the Bible belts, there's a lot of churches here. One of the things that's difficult is there are a lot of churches here. So I just started visiting churches on my own and, um, you know, it's not a fun experience. And it is one of those scenarios that, you know, it's like when you buy a new car and you think you're the only one with it and then you see it everywhere you turn, other people are driving the same model. It's you walk into church and, the model you're seeing are traditional happy families. And we both know that they're probably not all happy, but you just feel like you don't fit. And I think one of the things church leaders can do is really lean in in small ways. It does not have to be huge and extravagant, but I think when it comes to, you know, sermon illustrations, being able to build in situations that include single parents, single moms, single dads, divorce scenarios, blended families, our communities are made up of a lot of single parents and divorce situations. So mm-hmm. to bring those in where that's heard from stage, I, the church I attend now, I remember the first Easter service. Um, it's a, it's a small church. It's called a micro church. So I'm a, you know, former mega church gal in a micro church world right now. But one of the things the pastor did that made me feel super welcome that Sunday is there were about 150 people in the room. And out of that 150, two of us were divorced, both from pastors. Um, but the only two of us in the room were divorced. And when he started walking through difficult scenarios in his message, you know, maybe there's a medical diagnosis or your finances are in shambles. One of the examples he gave is maybe you received your divorce decree and that's just not a life you ever saw for yourself. And I just felt so known and seen in that moment that the a scenario that I had walked through was actually mentioned from stage. Um, so I think in little ways like that, when you just include those um, situations that if we've walked through divorce and single parenting that we experience, that makes you really feel seen. Um, and in feeling seen, you feel like there's a place there for you. Absolutely. And I think that's why we know that what we're doing and what you're doing, Brandy, is so important, right? We're showing Thank women, you. not only like, do we all go through this, but you can come out on the other side and God can use your story. For sure. Brandy, we started out, I told you that I get quiet when the game starts because I know my 14-year-old, he is his biggest critic and mom does not have to yell at him because he is tearing himself apart. I know this about him. Um, Also, it makes the drive home just a lot better (laughs) if I'm quiet. (laughs) But you had mentioned too that 
at times maybe you were receiving criticism, but your biggest critic was yourself. And I think the hard thing about being divorced and being a single mom is when we get into that place, there's not someone next to us pulling us out of it, right? So you're like, I'm, I hurt my children and there's no one going, no, you didn't. It's just you. Um, So I'm wondering, you know, were you experiencing this? Did I do the right thing? And what would you say to our listeners who are maybe second guessing their decision to divorce or who think that, you know, that are just in that cycle of beating themselves up and then you bring kids into it and there's an extra level of guilt? Yeah. Yeah. What would you say? You know, I think, yeah, I double guessed. I was the one who filed for divorce in my situation. I, um, did that after lots of prayer, um, therapy, consulting with people who I trusted in my life and knew that it was what was going to happen um, and still wondered if I had done the right thing. And I think that is really hard to navigate. I think um, it is not a decision that is made lightly. It is not a decision that's made without, you know, getting some professional help as well. Um, But yeah, for me, I think the way I criticized and processed that was, like I said, I went from talking to a ton of people to basically, you know, having just a few people I talked to on a regular basis. And um, one of the things I started realizing when it came to me double guessing myself, even as a parent, double guessing myself when I started my coaching business, all of those kind of things is I realized that there was a negative voice in my head. I'm, I'm a huge mindset person. And I think what we think matters, what we think about ourselves matters. It's why, you know, we're told in the Bible to take every thought captive. Um, but I started recognizing that I was hearing this negative voice in my head and it was telling me how, you know, It was always working against me, whether it was telling me I was a bad time manager or, you know, I didn't run my budget as tightly as I should, or um, I I didn't have the gifts to be a leader. People only liked me because I was attached to them. I started hearing all these negative voices. And at some point I was having a coaching session with somebody that I, you know, had hired to work with. And he just asked me the question. He said, he said, whose voice is that in your head saying those things? Man, that was a game changer for me because what I had to do is I had to identify where that criticism was coming from. And for me, what I realized is I was hearing the ex, my ex-husband's voice in my head. And I think we all have that voice. Um, I think maybe we don't all, but we all at times have had that voice. Mm -hmm. And it can go back to being an elementary school teacher who told us we weren't smart enough or a coach who told us we would never amount to anything. It could be a, you know, a past relationship that is falling apart, but I had to take the time to identify whose voice is that I hear in my head and then whose voice do I want it to be? So for me, I became super intentional. Like when those criticisms and that negativity started popping up, I would, you know, stop thinking, pray and just be like, nope, nope, stop. I do not. Whose voice is that? Yep. His voice is not allowed to occupy my head anymore. And then ask God to be the one who filled my head with what he knew was true about me. And I even went as far as I, I still have one on my bathroom mirror now, but I stuck little post-it notes all over my house that 
said, whose voice do I hear in my head? Let it be God's. Just as a reminder of in order for me to move forward, I have to get rid of the negative voice in my head that God does not want in there. I have to remove that head and permission God's voice to replace it. So when it came to my own personal criticism and trying to figure out if I was making the right decision, I really had to get rid of that voice that was providing that criticism mm-hmm. and allow it to be God's voice speaking stronger in my life. Yes, I love that. That's such such wise words, such wise words, Brandy. You know, uh, moms, you were sitting there wondering um, about the impact of divorce on your kids' hearts. If, you know, every single mom, well, their biggest question, as I say all the time, is are my kids going to be okay? So uh, can you tell us, Brandy, briefly, how you have helped your sons process the impact of divorce? Yeah, I would love to. You know, I agree. I think that's honestly where the title of the book came from is when I started working with women who are going through similar things, their question would be, am I going to be okay? And will my kids be okay? And I got to the point where I was like, oh, you're going to be better than okay, Um, because I believe that to be true. And I think when it comes to our kids, that's the piece that, man, we just hold on so tightly to because, you know, we can deal with a lot of hurt ourselves. We can deal with a lot of pain, but we do not want to have to do anything that could negatively impact our kids. It's the one thing in life that we really want to get right. And I think... um, I want to, I have a couple of thoughts when it comes to parenting through that trauma. Um, One is I just chose to be super honest with the kids. So I chose to, and I say age appropriate honesty. Um, I felt like our house had been full of deceits, deceit and lies long enough. So even when we moved into the new house, I just, you know, conceded, hey, this is a house of truth. And um, we have dealt with enough lies and I can help you with anything if you're willing to tell the truth, but we can't fix it if you're going to lie to me. So I I just became super honest. So when they asked questions, I answered them. Um, When they wondered what could be next and I didn't know, I said I didn't know. Um, I even involved them in, you know, helping us when it came to the house. I had super open conversation of like, hey, where we live, we're probably going to be able to afford a four-bedroom house or a three-bedroom with a bonus room. Let's talk about the benefits of both just to help get them involved in that conversation of the change um, and to feel like it wasn't something that was just happening to them, but something that they also got to be the part of um, starting over again. Mm -hmm. Um, I will tell you my biggest revelation in parenting, Pam, it came... um, Gosh, it would have been right around the time my divorce was final. And I was reading in Joshua, a passage I had read, gosh, since I was a little girl. And um, it's the Israelites were coming to the Jordan River and they were going to cross over into the promised land. But the Jordan was at flood stage. So it was super deep and super wide. And um, the priests were in the middle of the Israelites and they'd been carrying the Ark of the Covenant and, you know, Joshua had told them it was time for them to go first and to carry the Ark through the Jordan River, but they didn't know how that was going to happen. So, um, as soon as the first priest foot touched the water, it says, the Bible says that the Jordan, the water from the Jordan piled up in a heap and the riverbed became solid 
ground, dry and solid ground. So the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant to the center of the Jordan, and they stood there while all of the Israelites, and it's estimated around a million Israelites, passed around them onto the promised land. And, and you know, like I said, I was super familiar with that passage. And I think in reading that this time and having this conversation with God, I heard him say to me, like, Brandy, part of the reason you're so overwhelmed with everything you're walking through is because you're trying to do things that are not your job. And Pam, I felt like it was my job to carry the Ark of the Covenant. It was my job to take the first step. It was my job to hold back the water and protect my kids. It was my job to lead every single one of them across the river. And it was my job to deliver them to the promised land. And I just felt God say like, you're doing what is actually my job. Your job, Brandy, mm-hmm. is to stand on dry, solid ground and to hold me for your kids. Your job is to stand on dry, solid ground and to share my kingdom with your kids. Your job is to stand on dry, solid ground and show my love to your kids. It's my job to carry the Ark of the Covenant. It's my job to hold back the waters and protect your kids. It's my job to lead your kids across the Jordan River. And it's my job to deliver your kids to the promises that I have for their lives. And in that moment, I felt like I might be a single mom, but I am not parenting alone. Hmm. And that was huge for me. And I think as I continue to raise my kids today and they're older and they're moving into young adulthood, I I just have to go back and, you know, tell myself like, I might be a single mom, but I'm not raising these kids alone. And I believe that God can take the pain that I've walked through and give it purpose in my life. I have to trust he's going to do the same things with my kids and the pain that they've walked through with divorce being part of their own personal stories. Mm, That is so rich and so good. You have just answered, where does your strength come from? And I am so, that was so great. That was so good. That was so great. Oh, goodness. That's like a good, bad thing when you hear that from the Lord. I remember him telling me, I love your kids more than you do. And you're like, yes. Like, it's beautiful, but you're also, you know, we want to have that control. You kind of, maybe that was the answer, but I'm wondering, is there, if we went back to Brandy that's in the middle of all of that, when I was talking about the chaos moment, like the dust has not settled, if you could just zip back and whisper something in her ear, what would you say to her? Oh, gosh, there's so many things I would say. Um... Yeah, I think I would just tell her she is going to love the life that she's created. Mm-hmm. Um, she can't see it now, but she will love the life that she is going to create. Um, and I would also remind her to take it one day at a time. I think life is so overwhelming when you're walking through divorce and there are so many questions and not answers um, that that reminder of, man, it's just one day at a time. It's not six years from now having to figure everything out that needs to happen in the next six years. It is taking care of what needs to happen today just to calm her heart a little bit um, and give her some peace. That, uh, that's good. I do love that. I do love <laughs> You're going to love the life that you create. you create. I like that you gave the, you know, there's this responsibility there of you have to cre- recreate this. Yes. It's not going to recreate. Yes. It's not going to accidentally be awesome. Yes. But I love the fact that yeah. she said that, moms, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Basically, moms, you can do it. You yeah. know, 
Uh, I tell you what, Brandy, in closing, um, what is maybe one final thing you would like to tell our single moms that are listening here? Gosh, I just love single moms so much. And, you know, I, like you, have developed that love because I'm walking that journey. Um, And, yeah, I just think I would want to tell them that they're seen and they are loved and they are not forgotten. I think um, sometimes single moms end up feeling very, very forgotten, feeling like maybe they don't fit in. And I just... um, you know, if they need to know where to fit in, you guys have all kinds of resources to help them. You have a conference once a year that's amazing that they can travel to. Um, but yeah, just to be able to find your community, to find the people who understand, to reach out, build those connections. There are other moms out there like you. Um, so find that community so that you aren't walking this life in isolation. I do love that. You know, Uh, In closing, I want to, again, highlight Brandy's book, Better Than Okay, Finding Hope and Healing After a Marriage Ends. And Brandy was quoted to say this, this book isn't about what was lost, but what I have found. This book isn't about what was taken from me, but what remains. Better Than Okay is a life where you're not the victim but the victor. And moms, I just want to say you're not less of a person because your marriage ended. You're actually more of a person because you're strong enough through Christ to emerge out of the circumstance and situations you never dreamed possible. And I want you to know I discovered and Mel discovered that every ending will lead to a new beginning. And uh, so I want you to take what you've learned through this podcast from your marriage and divorce and use it to put together a new life like Brandy has talked about. Brandy said in her book, divorce is not the end of your story. So moms never lose hope, no matter how dark it might have been or it is. I want you to know the sun will shine again. But more importantly, sisters, listen here. In Christ, you are an overcomer. Divorce cannot defeat you because you have the strength to pick up yourself and carry on. And Mel and I can both testify to this, and Brandy can too, that many a woman has learned how to move on after a marriage has ended. And friend, when you're ready, you will too.